Well, hello everybody, I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here in Berks County once again on this beautiful, gorgeous, global morning Saturday morning right here on AM Radio 1180 We've been meeting here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. for the last five years because you've all identified our show as a guidepost for truth. And you, I think, I'd like to think that you tune in for my expert opining as well on the issues and You know we're going to be bringing you a perspective that you'll only get here on this show, and we bring it to you at the speed of sound. So we're going to jump right into this, and we appreciate everybody here being with us and taking the time every Saturday morning. Today we're going to be talking about lower energy prices, and I guess the plan of what what most people would do to lower energy prices, and we're going to talk a little bit about the... uh, the polling information that we see right now, uh, I mean, uh, and of course, uh, DeSantis' con- concerns about his raising money. we we'll talk a little bit about that. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, some of the items today on, on what happens in, in the, uh, you know, like the, with, with, with communist countries and how they how they oppress their, their people through media. And, uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about how they, how they, how they, uh, how they and how they have their political rivals indicted or arrested. We'll talk about that in third world countries and communist countries. We'll talk a little bit about that and uh, and a whole lot more right here. Uh, so uh, let's jump right into it. First, let's get into this. Uh, what does a communist country or a, uh, <clears throat> a a a socialist country, a dictatorship, look like? What does it look like? And uh, we can know this what it looks like when we see it. But like when China had their, I guess they, I don't know what they call it. They had their, they had their communist, the meeting of communists and they all got there and the, the leaders of the Chinese communist party, about 40 of them or 50 of them, I guess, were sitting across this giant table or these tables all assembled together and they're all sitting on these chairs. And you had Xi Jinping sitting there in the middle and right to his left, about two people down was the former prime minister, or I should say the, form, the former Chinese communist president. He was sitting about two seats down <clears throat> on the side there. <clears throat> what I thought was interesting was, you know, he was there, and of course, all of a sudden, some people got up, walked behind the former Chinese leader, and got him up out of his seat and paraded him right out stage right, <clears throat> right behind Xi Jinping. They were walking right behind him. And uh, as they walked him out there, uh, stage right, I mean, as the man was making his pleas with Xi Jinping to please don't take me off to the gulag, please don't have me killed, please don't have me sent off to somewhere silent and silently put me away. I mean, whatever. You can see the, the concern on the former president, Chinese president's face as Xi Jinping was able to get rid of his political opponent. Uh, we watched this on TV. I watched it happen. I watched this occur, and you could see the concern on the former Chinese president's face as as the current president had him escorted out and, uh, you know, sent off to somewhere, okay? Now, this is what happens in communist countries, okay? We also see, for instance, that we have in, in countries, uh, you know, where, you know, they might kill off their uh, political opposition or they might have them arrested. They might have them built up on phony charges and have them arrested or indicted and then arrested, or they might do election interference. They might do stuff like, you know, get in the way of, uh, you know, get in the way of an election by, by just, by virtue of just, uh, 
you know, stopping the fair election itself or stacking the ballot, maybe stacking the ballot box with, you know, phony mail-in ballots or something like that. So there's a lot of ways that these people can 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 corruptly, uh, you know, um, you know, interfere with an election or interfere with the turnout. Okay, uh, they can have, uh, you know, they can have phony ballots put in. They can have, they can call a phony fire drill in a count room. Okay, like they did in Atlanta, vacate every Republican, and then then bring out the phony ballots and let's start let's start processing the phony ballots from underneath the table. And this is all caught on camera. We saw this. So there's a lot to be said of this. And again, it, oh, it does come down to what's going on now in this country because we can compare it. We can compare it with what's going on in this country. We see it. Okay, we see what's going on in this country. And we don't we don't miss that because it is what's going on. And, you know, it really does come down to as we, you know, we're watching these indictments. We're watching that. <clears throat> we're watching how, you know, we're watching how, um, you know, how they're indicting Trump on, well, they're without a crime, okay? Uh, I mean, there was one indictment that came up with uh, the guy um, out of New York, okay? And uh, he makes the comment, he, uh, you know, he tries to indict him, and as he reads the indictment, he, the alleged indictment, he, Alex Smith, you know, the job, whatever his name is, Smith, he makes the comment, he goes, you know, this is what he's being indicted for. Some reporter yells out in the back, where's the crime in the indictment? He said, we don't need a crime. We don't need to cry. You know, this is what happens in third world countries. This is what goes on. What Americans are seeing right now is ghastly. Okay. We're seeing a complete mauling of our political system in this country. Okay. We have, we have indicted Trump. We, we, we basically said we don't like Trump and we're going to go get Trump. That's what the deep state did. They don't like him. They got to go get him. Well, how do you go get him if there's no crime? Well, why don't we investigate him and try to find the, the crime? Well, why don't we investigate him for this, the documents case? Why don't we investigate him for this? You know, the January 6th debacle. Why don't we why don't we address why don't we you know arrest him for that and, and we'll have the we'll have the DA and and uh, you know in the, the, the prosecutor in the, in Atlanta indict him on on what's going on there and you know try to get him on a phony indictment there but you know but he didn't break the law well we'll we'll get past that because we're, we're doing grand juries and grand juries don't need because they're the ones that determine whether the indictment is going to go forward or not see what's interesting is that normally normally law enforcement when a crime takes place and law enforcement will find the suspect and of course then they will have They'll, they'll look at the suspect, they'll have a case on the suspect, and that case will be such to where they can say, we're going to indict the, the suspect and bring him to trial for the crime that took place. That's what normally happens. Now, what happened with Trump was there was no crime that took place. That's what happened with Trump. There was no crime that took place. So Trump did not commit a crime, okay? But they wanted to investigate Trump anyway for a crime that never took place to see if they could find uh, something to indict him on. So, you know, when you go to a grand jury, I mean, you know, it, you don't have the same rights in a courtroom, if you will, in a grand jury. The grand jury just does their investigation. Grand juries are generally abused, and they can be, I should say, abused. Not general, but they can be. And uh, they can indict anything, indict you for anything. All they got to do is have a will in the grand jury to indict you. 
you get put you put a bunch of people that are against you on a grand jury board, they'll indict you for something. You know, and, and they'll and even though there was no crime and they'll find something there, and then of course you'll be acquitted. Generally that's what happens. That doesn't change the fact that your life was turned upside down. See what they're what they're begging on, what they're trying to do, is they're trying to interfere with the election. They're having all these these trials, if you will, I'm gonna use that word in air quotes, trials. Um, you know, they're they're putting it all together and uh they're basically trying to say, Okay, we, we're gonna have these trials and and uh, we're going to have them all around the same time. I mean, if they could, they would have them all the same week. But they're they're all jammed up together in the election cycle. So Trump's attorneys are looking right now. They're they're going to go to the judges. They're going to say he can't be in two places at one time. Okay, they got all these trials coming on. So anybody can see the farce and justice here. Everybody, anybody can see it. Trump's attorneys are loaded for bear on this. They're literally. I've heard him on the news cycles. His attorneys are out there declaring. You know, this is what's going on, and and his attorneys are out there making this declaration that, um, you know, that we're we're going to appeal this because they they know that they the 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 that the district attorneys that presented these cases and put them that put them up there, these DAs are up there basically saying, okay, well, we're going to get them all up at the, the same time. But I mean, even this case in in Atlanta, I mean, I should say the um, well. Even the, the case in New York, all these cases. I mean, they've got they're 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 running these in there. They're trying to get these indictments, but make no mistake about it, they're they they got millions of documents to go through, and they just can't do it. In the Atlanta case, I believe I heard there was fifteen million documents being released, or something like that. They want to try him for a RICO case, and they want to they want to prepare. They want they want to basically challenge Trump's. Uh, attorneys to come up with a, a a valid defense for a RICO case. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous in and of itself. And I just think that, you know, th this is what they're trying to do. But, you know, he's, you know, he's basically, um, you know, Trump is, is, um, you know, he's, he's under attack. He's under attack on all of this. And, you know, you, you have to realize that, that when you're looking at what he was arraigned for, I mean, you know, I mean, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy against rights, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. You know, I mean, and, you know, the grand jury returns the indictments. OK, and, and you know, like I said, Jack Smith's probe came up with the indictments. But, you know, it, he's no hero. This is not a this is not somebody that that can, uh, you know. That can brag that they did some massive investigation. They got Trump on in. There is nothing there. Because when Jack Smith read the indictment, Jack Smith made a comment that, um, well, I mean, he 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 left out what Trump said in his speech, which was, you know, protest peacefully, okay, and 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 you know, peacefully and and patriotically. He left that out. I mean, that. But again, that that's judicial mis 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 miscarriage is what it is. It's a judicial. Uh, maligning of of uh, it's a maligning, if you will, of, of judicial practice. Okay, I mean, quite frankly, it's it's appalling that he would do this. Okay, it it really really is, and I think when we look at it, we realize, you know, you, you're not going to get anywhere with with phony indictments. So what we're looking at right now, we're seeing of making a comparison with what's happening to Trump, with what's happening in these countries, and this is what it is. And of course, there's a direct. There's definitely, definitely coordination with Merrick Garland. There's no question about that. There's no question about that. Jack Smith, 
you know, uh, and then of course the, the the DA in Atlanta, they're all denying that there's any coordination with with Merrick Garland's Justice Department. I mean, I, or no Justice Department. That's that's the fact too. You know, Alvin Bragg's office, and there's this coordination everywhere. There's coordination everywhere, and I, I heard some, uh, you know, but but you can see and you can you can see what's going on. It really, you can understand that they just don't want Trump as president. And you wonder why is that? Okay, because Trump does not represent the corrupt deep state. He doesn't represent those bureaucrats who have an interest only in their own enrichment. You know, Trump is purely interested in what's improving this country and what's good for this country and, you know, perpetuating this country and moving it forward. That's all Trump's interested in. And I just think it's important because we need to understand that part of it. I mean, the motives are there. You know, it's sort of like uh, you know what we're seeing right now in the in the media is unbelievable because <clears throat> they're denying that there's any election interference. I mean, they just overlook it. They glaringly overlook it. I mean, election interference is a real problem, and I mean, it's obvious to see. I mean, if you're a reporter and you're on CNN and you're doing reporting, it would it, you'd think it would at least occur to you that with all these indictments coming up around Super Tuesday of next year. This would be election interference. You would you would think that they would be somebody questioning why wouldn't they bring these indictments up a few months ago? Why didn't they bring this up earlier? Why are they waiting till now? I mean, they, they, you would think there'd be some question about it, but you know, it, it it's not convenient. It does not convenient for them. You know, it it's sort of like a, you know, why does somebody, you know, deny God is who God is? Why does somebody deny? Christ is God. Why do they deny that Christ, that that Christ, his ability to heal, and his ability, it, it, the, his ability to heal, uh, conveyed the same his his authority over over all things that he because he he had the authority over illness and he was able to heal and make whole people. I mean, again, he he was able to do that. I mean, why would people deny those miracles? Because it doesn't fit their narrative. You know, people that want to live in a reprobate world, they want to live their own reprobate mind, and they want to they want to commit their own reprobate sins or whatever. They, these people that do this, they 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 don't believe it. They say they don't believe because it fits their narrative to to deny it. It doesn't make it doesn't make it any less real to them. I mean, you know, Jesus is Lord, and 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 the fact that He is Lord over all things does not change because someone doesn't believe it. It's the same thing in, in again bringing it back to here in this political in this political environment. What's happening now with Trump, what's happening now in, in the environment that we see in the political environment, you know, this election interference is real and it's there. It's just not being admitted to by the people who don't well, who want to see it go through. They want to see it finished. They want to try to destroy Trump. I mean, right now, DeSantis is scared to death. He's out there now, and he's he's having some real issues. He says, you know, every time Trump gets indicted, Trump has he makes a news cycle with the you know the thirty million dollars of earned media, and he gets it all the time. He gets it for free. You know, Trump's Trump's raising money. I mean, he's raising money, and Donald Trump is getting the benefit of the free media. You know, it's it's like, uh, <clears throat> I mean. I mean, I think it was there was something that said. I guess during uh, there something happened during the debate or something, 
that when uh, when a fly landed on on uh, Mike Pence, Trump was certain to lose the general election. Somebody made that comment. I think you know it's 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 really funny. But you look at the morning consult polls. I mean, Trump is either leading or or even with O'Biden, and I mean, he's way ahead in the Republican field, and they, and they know it. And this isn't going to change. DeSantis is knowing it too. I mean, DeSantis basically is begging his super PAC, super PAC for money. He he needs money, and he's out there saying he needs about fifty million dollars. That's what he needs, and uh, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's what's coming out. So you know, I mean, he's he's looking at fifty million dollars he needs next month before the second Republican primary debate on September twenty seventh. Okay, okay. So he needs like he also needs another five million a month. I mean, this is what. DeSantis is out there saying. And, you know, it's really compelling because CNN and, you know, again, the super PACs, you know, it, 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 I guess, uh, I guess the, his super PAC, I mean, DeSantis' the super PAC is saying that he needs the money. We just need your help getting 50 million bucks. So he's, he's nervous about getting, I'm looking in an article right now, so bear with me. But he's, he's just trying to get the money. He doesn't know what, he doesn't know what to do with the money he's not getting. He just looks at Trump every time Trump's indicted. Trump, uh, Trump race jumps in the polls and he jumps in fundraising. They don't get it. He just doesn't get it. And, you know, it really is compelling. You know, I mean, the truth is that, you know, and you can look at the truth, that the, it's it's finally exposed, okay? It's finally exposed. Well, anyway, I mean, if you want to see some some crazy reprobate laws, it's need up to go far. You don't, you don't have to go much farther than look at Oregon, okay? I mean, Oregon is... It'd be all California too, Washington. I mean, they just passed laws preventing parents from uh, interfering with their child's selective surgeries in schools, okay, which I think is an amazing thing. But, um, you know, they're basically interfering with parental rights every chance they get. I mean, Oregon's, Oregon is just really nuts right now. But, but what you're seeing right now is that the, the interference in parental rights, it's very, very clear, very apparent. And I mean, this is that people don't want these public laws. They don't want this. They just don't want what they're getting right now in the public. You know what they're seeing with public policy. And I think what's interesting is that you know the, the public policy is always what is always what is not exposed during these debates. Don't you? Don't everybody understand? I mean, don't we all see that? I mean, we're all looking at that as it comes at us. But whenever they have these debates, there isn't any. There isn't any real public policy debated. And when O'Biden's talking about whatever, anyway, he lashes off the questions or whatever. He they, they he just avoids these questions. He doesn't want to deal with it. You know, they talk about the, you know, the 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 uh the illegal crossing of the waters of down south and the record numbers that are coming over illegally. He just avoids it and dismisses it. And the media doesn't talk about it at all. It's just really, really amazing. You know, but I, I guess there was something going on because, and I want to get a little bit to the Georgia indictment. I guess, uh, I guess uh, Brian Kemp, the Georgia governor, is attacking uh, Donald Trump, and he, you know, people are just saying that's really, really striking. I guess uh, Kemp made a comment that he could, he could say that as long if, as long as I am the governor, we're going to stay focused on issues that help all Georgians. He said that's that's the way you you win races, and that that's. That is the way you you move forward. Things like cutting taxes and doing two million dollar tax rebates, suspending da- ta- gas taxes, 
that saved our families and businesses billions of dollars, teacher pay raises and this and that. So Collins, I guess he was in an interview with Caitlin Collins. She says, so what do you mean by grifter scam? Because he, he made a comment on on some sort of a scam. And, you know, it's it's a really, it's a subtle, but if you listen close, you can figure what's talking about. It's it's really interesting that he, he just doesn't like Trump. He just doesn't like Trump, you know? And um, I, I just think that they're, that they're trying to make a scene out of it. I guess they're trying to make something bigger out of it. But, but Kemp is basically saying, you're just going to stick to the issues. That's how you win elections. Because they're trying to get him to go off on Trump. And he's not doing it. I mean, and and so they they take any subtleties that he puts out there, and they claim that he's going after Trump. Well, he isn't. He isn't. At least I haven't heard it to that level. I just think it's 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 compelling. But um, I want to talk a little bit too. Let's jump. Let's shift gears here on something. I want to get to the Ukraine war a little bit and talk a little bit about that. Now, what's interesting in this country right now? We're seeing a, a massive problem in the Ukraine war. Is Ukrainians have lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers. They've lost millions and millions of people. Right? They don't have anybody left in their country left to fight. Okay. But we're still going over there with armament. Okay. We're going over there with armament and everything else. And I just think it's interesting that um, you know, that they're 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 people are overlooking the the obvious fact. Why are we there? You know, they were people in the, I guess it's the NATO leadership was was comparing the, they were comparing this war in the Ukraine with a Harry Potter movie. I thought that was interesting. So you you know we're 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 listening to people who's who are supposed to be in charge, who are supposed to be committed to, you know, peace, fighting peace in the world, if you will, and, and ending this war, and they're 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 equating this this war in the Ukraine with a Harry Potter movie. I don't see that. I don't see that as being a characteristic that that's incompetent people. It's not, it's not. And I just think it's important to move looking at what's going on right now in the Ukraine. And it's really, it's really compelling. I mean, we're looking at it right now. They're trying to keep the Americans behind it. And, um, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to keep them behind what's going on in the Ukraine war. And they, they want Americans to, you know, to 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 support it okay but the americans are getting more weary of it okay they're just you know they're getting they're becoming more and more weary of it because they realize the ukrainians only they don't have anybody left to fight with and it's really compelling because we're trying to figure out how to win elections you know when when you have a election and affairs going on and the same people doing the election and affairs are running this war in ukraine you know and these are the same people that these are the same people that are telling us that we need to vaccinate, you know, six-month-old babies with the COVID vaccination. The same people. You know, again, the same people that believe men can have babies. Those are the same people. So what makes us think they're going to run the war in Ukraine with any competency when they can't figure out that you don't need to vaccinate six-year-old, six-month-old babies? As a matter of fact, you're putting those babies at tremendous risk by doing that. And they know that, too. I mean, they're advocating for more vaccinations, even though they know the risks of the vaccinations. That's very, very disturbing. I mean, these are these are who these people are. This is who they are. So it's not surprising that you see what's going on here and how this is, you know, how this is transpiring. It doesn't surprise me at all. But you have they're losing support. There's a lot of support that's being lost over the war in Ukraine. It's it's happening. There's a lot of, you know, um, 
there's just a lot there. You know, there's a lot to be said of that. But I guess, I guess getting back to, to Kemp, I guess Kemp actually, um, I guess he, uh, his, his dismissal of calls to impeach the DA in Fulton County, I guess this is what it is. So he's standing by uh, Fannie Willis and, uh, and dismissing Republican calls to impeach her over her 41 count indictment. And so that's what, that's what he, that's what I guess, I guess that's what Maggie Haberman and, and the CNN, I guess it's that that's what they were. They were they were confused about, or or, or I should say, uh, bemused about. They didn't understand that because because Kemp dismissed the calls to impeach her. He says, "Well, we don't need to do that." But they're going to. But but see, the the Georgia state senator is officially calling for emergency session to review actions of it. So basically, you're going to have the Trump Republicans in the state and the Senate, the state uh, the state assembly, who do control the Georgia state assembly in Georgia. They're going to be deciding whether or not to impeach this person. And Kemp is dismissing the calls because he's saying, I don't want it, I don't want her impeached. So Kemp doesn't want her impeached. So he wants so Kemp is a part of this. See, this is now I'm understanding what her concerns were. You can see this. An objective fifth grader can see this, let alone somebody like us on our show. You know, I mean, you can see that Brian Kemp is just he just doesn't like Trump. He just he wants he's a part of the establishment. So he wants to keep, you know, he wants to keep uh you know, uh, Fanny Fanny Willis still in place. He wants to keep her in place. He doesn't want to impeach her. What's really interesting is that if the tables were turned, you can believe the Democrats would be looking to impeach Brian Kemp. Okay, what's really amazing? It's like when uh, when Mitt Romney made comments. Oh, when Mitt Romney was when Candy Crowley threw a lifeline to Obama in the in the second debate, and of course that happened, and Mitt Romney just let it happen. But Mitt Romney, uh, you know, he was basically being ridiculed and 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 slandered by the Democrats and the media. Yet he seems to be running to them for friendship and cover all the time. It's amazing that they he's like the drowning man grabbing at the razor blade. Well, Brian Kent doesn't recognize it either. But see, they're all part of this this corrupt establishment. They don't care. They don't care about it. I mean, it, he doesn't care. I mean, you know, he. I mean, he he sees the election interference. He sees it, but it doesn't matter to him. Doesn't care. So anyway, the Georgia says it's going to be interesting to see if they can override his veto because, but they don't need him to. They don't need him to, to impeach this lady. They don't need it. I don't know what the laws say in Georgia. I don't know how it's structured there, but I don't think that they need the governor's approval to to impeach this lady. So, um. The Georgia Senate is is officially calling for an emergency session. So, um, and you know, basically, uh, the guy's name is um, oh my God, it's uh, Colton Moore. Colton Moore. That's a Georgia State Senator, and Trump is really excited that the guy is planning to investigate Willis, and he's highly respected George this Georgia State Senator. So he's at the same, but Kemp rejected Moore's calls for an investigation, arguing a special session would ignore current Georgia law. And directly interfere with the proceedings of a separate but equal branch of government. So he's basically saying, "No, no, no, I don't want to do that." Well, he says his concerns with the Fulton County District Attorney's handling of this case and the special purpose grand jury have been well documented. And, you know, he goes, "What well, we are now seeing what happens when prosecutors move forward with highly charged indictments, trials in the middle of the election." Simply put, it's it sows distrust and proof provides easy pickets for those who see the district attorney's actions and misguided politics. Well, let me be clear. 
you know, a law in the state of Georgia that clearly outlines the legal steps that can be taken if constituents believe their local prosecutors are violating their oath by engaging in other unethical or legal behavior. Up to this point, I haven't seen that with her, he said. Okay. Well, the bottom line is, I mean, I guess he's, he's saying, I don't see I don't see where she's being unethical. I don't see where she's doing it. You know, he doesn't see, he is, I, he don't see, I don't see unethical, illegal behavior. That's what Brian Kemp is saying. All right. Well, I think there is, I mean, and I'm not even a lawyer. Okay. Uh, the fact that she's trying to put all this on a Rico case and she's got, she's given the defense no time at all to prepare a defense. I think there's something there to that. Uh, I think she's lying to, to the judge and everybody else. If she's what she says, if she, she can try this case quickly. Okay. She's, she's lying to everybody. Okay. So there is some ill, there's certainly unethical behavior. And of course, the timing of all of this, the election interference, and the fact that she's likely inter uh, interacted with, uh, you know, with uh, Merrick Garland's No Justice Department, they've been kind of coordination there. I think they can find that pretty easy. Okay. But I mean, I guess Kent goes on to say the bottom line is that the state of Georgia, as long as he's going, and we're going to follow the law and the Constitution, regardless of who, who it helps or arms politically. So he's trying to say that, you know, that the Constitution protects her. Okay. So, more encouraged the Georgia governor to take a deep breath and read the Georgia Constitution. So, so I guess there's a I guess there's a real uh, Colton Moore just said read the read the Constitution. Okay, T -t take a deep breath and read it. Okay, I just think it's very compelling. So, so Brian Kemp is not being honest with the people of Georgia. He's allowing his disdain of Trump to cloud his judgment. Okay. And as the, as the corrupt Fulton County District Attorney continues to target a presidential candidate in the middle of election year, okay, Donald Trump, okay, Moore says he only has one question for Governor Kemp. When are you going to stand with the people of Georgia and, con and convene the emergency session that your constituents are demanding? So I guess he wants to, I guess he's trying to deny the special session. I guess this is what it's all about. They're, they're having a cat fight there in Georgia. See, Brian Kemp just doesn't like Trump. Just doesn't like him. That's, that's the problem Kemp is. And again, I think Kemp, I think Kemp misses the opportunity he has. But I think, I think it's interesting. So that was the problem with Kent. Now, I, I mean, again, he's tongue in cheeking. He's being very subtle in his, in his disdain towards Trump. He just is, but it's real. He has it. He, he's trying to allow this interference to take place because it suits his need. You know, it's like I said earlier, I mean, you know, I mean, people deny God is who God is. They, they, they deny what salvation entails. They deny what, what has to happen for them to be saved. They deny all of that because it doesn't fit their lifestyle. Okay. It doesn't fit their lifestyle. And I think that's the truth of it. I think there's a lot to be said of that. I think people oftentimes, you know, I mean, you know, people that, that, you know, they want to live a certain way. They want, they want to. They want to be certain ways that, that be a certain way. They want to just, it just doesn't fit their lifestyle. Doesn't fit their decision. Doesn't, doesn't fit with that, with the way they want to live. And that's the truth of it. So, you know, here's Brian Kent basically saying that justice right now for Trump does not fit. It doesn't fit his narrative. You know, it's just interesting because these Republicans forget the fact that they're at a war. You know, I've talked to some Republicans, local Republicans. They, they don't believe we're in a war. They don't believe we're in a war. With with communist left, they just don't believe it. They don't see it. They don't see it. And what I don't understand is how they don't see it. I don't see. I don't get it.
Well, the um, I want to get to the unemployment numbers in August. I guess the uh, the jump to three point eight percent, one hundred eighty seven thousand jobs were added. That's the number, okay. But let me help our listeners understand what that really means, okay? Because we lose three hundred fifty thousand people in the workforce every every month. So if we added one hundred eighty seven thousand jobs and we lost three hundred fifty, okay, we can do the math on that, okay? We can do the math on that. Okay, but that's, you know, you're looking at the difference between it is is pretty significant, okay? I mean, quite honestly, you lost over 260,000 jobs. I should say over 160, over 160,000 jobs. That's the reality, okay? You lost over 160,000 jobs. So you can say what you will, but you lost 160 plus thousand out of the workforce. So the workforce shrank again by 160,000 new workers. Okay, in August. And as I stated in one of our previous shows, I, I, if you've tuned in, many of, you li- and many of our listeners have uh, remember we were talking about this. But what happens oftentimes when we see this is that they're not, they're not measuring the strength of the economy correctly. They're, they're trying to say the strength of the economy is based on the unemployment numbers. Why do they always put those numbers out? Because they, that's what they're trying to say is the true measure of a strong workforce. And it's not. What is, is the, the number of employed Americans. How many working Americans are there in the workforce? Right now we have about 157 million working Americans in, in, in the workforce right now. We had 167 million. Okay, I should, you know, we had about 167 million working Americans um, a few years ago. Now we know that. Okay, so we dropped 10 million our workforce has shrank about 10 million, you know, between seven to 10 million. That's significant. As I stated in the show a few weeks ago, that's, that's the entire workforce in the state of Pennsylvania being unemployed. That's how much our economy is contracting. That is not a strong economy, folks. Okay. When you're losing 350,000 people in the workforce every month and you create less than 200,000 jobs and you're losing, 150 plus, you're losing that many more. 150, 160, 170,000 every month. And we dropped that again in August. So that's what we're seeing right now. And then what you're also seeing is you're seeing the growth of the underground economy, which is another problem because it's it's the it's the part of the economy that, well, basically floods the floods cash in the economy. And uh, it, it, it affects the, uh, the supply and demand balance. And of course, you can drive our prices and it does. But Joe Biden, I guess, they're trying to figure out how to how to stimulate the economy in ways that only a reprobate communist can think of, I guess. I don't know. It's just amazing to me. I mean, any fifth grader knows if you want to charge up the economy, what you need to do first is you need to get an energy policy that works. I mean, right now, Jennifer Granholm, who is the energy secretary, her policy for energy is electric cars. I mean, ain't no mistake. I it. If you go if you go to the website and you are able to see their energy policy, you would see that they're trying to make investments in green energy. Okay, and uh, with with the guidelines of environmental social governance. Okay, okay. I mean, these are things they're doing. They're trying to well, they're trying to put a wet blanket on energy. Okay, they don't want energy production. So we don't have an effective energy policy. I mean, they're 
They're, they understand the murmurings of people in the election cycle and they're just concerned. So they're trying to make deals with Venezuela. They get Venezuela gas, oil, because after all, we don't want to drill our own here. Okay, we got oil reserves in this country. We don't want to touch them. But it's very compelling. We don't have an energy policy. That's the truth. And that's what we all know. Okay, so you know you have, a, you have an incompetent energy secretary who got the job for whatever reason he gave him the job for, but it certainly was incompetence. And yeah, you know, we don't have an energy policy. We don't have a policy to to provide and build up on effective, efficient energy that'll power an economy. We don't have that. We have people whose sole purpose is to weaken the energy field, I should say, and weaken our energy production and, and literally um, shift our energy production to anything that's ineffective and efficient. But anyway, so that's what's going on with the energy policy. Then you take that and you then you get into your regulations you get into your EPA okay regulations uh you know how does the how does the government interfere with with building well they prevent it how do they interfere with well with hiring and with with business growth well they interfere with it I uh, heard recently that oh Biden wants to sign a, or planning to if he hadn't already sign another executive order changing the way managers are paid. Okay, a manager has to make so much money or they have to be hourly. So he wants people to be hourly. Or he wants a business to say, okay, well, you know, just because they're called a manager, in other words, he wants to change the ruling on that. Huh? People are managers. People like to be managers. They want to be able to be in charge of it. And they want to be able to be a salaried individual. They're okay with it. And a company obviously wants to create the position. But then you got the government interfering, saying, no, 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 it's not fair for the person doing the work. Well, isn't that between the person doing the work and the company? To make the decision on what work is fair and what's not. If a company's asking a person to do work that they really don't want to deal with, if that's what they're asking them to do, the worker's not going to deal with it. Why does the government have to step in and say, well, I'm going to change the way you pay that person? It, it's just, I mean, it, it's almost that they just want to throw a wet blanket on business. That's what they try to do. Don't miss that. I think we see a lot of that. And the government wants to, they want to insert itself. Okay, between workers and their employers, okay, between people and their doctors, okay, between, you know, children and their parents, okay. I mean, they want to insert themselves in the midst of these relationships. They want to disrupt the harmony in a relationship. They do it all the time. I mean, you see it in schools between children and their parents with the teachers. Uh, you see it. Well, we saw it during COVID with the doctors and their patients with these forced vaccinations of people that had natural immunity. And of course, doctors who wanted to prescribe ivermectin, which I think is a very interesting thing. And we can shift gears on this a little bit. I would, this, as this occurs to me, I want to bring this to, our, to the attention of our listeners. Um, that's why I think folks listen to the show because they know I'm going to get to interesting topics like this sometimes spontaneously. But here it is. What's interesting on ivermectin, ivermectin is a drug that has been approved since the 60s to be used. And uh, not only has it been approved to be used, I believe it It was one of the most, well, it's also on the World Health Organization list of medications, but it's all, it also won some sort of an award for, as an effective source, as, as an effective uh, treatment for, for certain illnesses. Well, here we go, here you know here we end up with COVID. So now we end up with COVID. So now COVID comes into play, and 
then they were saying, well, you can't give iver, you do not, you cannot prescribe iver, ivermectin. Uh, I guess they call it what they call off-label treatments is what they call them. A lot of doctors want to use off-label treatments. They want to use uh, medications that may or may not work, but they're called off-label treatments because um, there's some studies that show they may work or whatever. So they do this and they go after this with ivermectin. So ivermectin was being prescribed by doctors to treat COVID because it was shown to have some effect on it. Well, the government said you can't do that. Then they tried to talk people out of it. And they tried to enter, they tried to do their own public relation by saying it's a horse medicine. It's a horse treatment. It's a horse uh, treatment for horses and, and, and animals and livestock, you know, for treatment for parasites. And they overlooked the fact that it's a, it was an actual drug that, that was being prescribed for billions of times across the world in 50 years. Okay. So they, I, I find that, I find that very interesting. And along with a lot of doctors, the doctor says, and what are you talking about? This is a drug that we've been prescribing for years. Yeah, but you can't, you can't do that for COVID. COVID's a different thing. What makes it different is the government just inserted themselves in that relationship. They wanted people to take the vaccination. It could be a monetary reason. I don't know. Maybe they had stock in pharmaceutical companies for all I know. But I mean, I found it very interesting that we had the government inserting itself between a doctor and it's and, and the doctor's patient, and uh, and telling the doctor you can't do you can't do cross labeling or you know off labeling um, for drugs and off uh, off label treatments, not with ivermectin, not with COVID. Well, anyway, making a long story short, they now they now that I guess the CDC is now admitting that ivermectin can be used. Here we are, 2023 now. Now they were admitting ivermectin can be used to treat COVID. Now, we were on this show talking about how the government was in a, in a, inserting itself between patients and their doctors. And obviously now the CDC has confirmed it. Okay. They just indicted themselves. I just find that very interesting. But you know, when you look at you know, the government, what, what, why do they do what they do? I mean, why, why are they inserting themselves i mean why why do why do they do this because it suits their fancy okay it's what they do politics is all about power and, and access is what it's all about you know it's what it's all about but i just find that interesting so you know joe biden and his minions right now i mean uh, they're 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 basically concerned about trump and of course oh biden's got some real problems too and and he knows it too he may be trying to laugh it off but he's got some real issues and uh I thought it was interesting that Maggie Haberman was shocked at at Kemp's attacks on Trump. He, she found it striking. I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what you find striking about it. His attacks—they weren't really attacks. He just said, "I'm not, I'm not really interested in removing Fannie Willis." But I think what's going to happen is I think you're going to see uh, courts step in. Appellate courts are going to step in. You're going to see some of the stuff post, you know, handled by them because this is all very, very apparent election interference it's all very very obvious and uh you know it's just it's just it's just incredible yeah did anybody see how um getting to another topic here on how um mitch mcconnell when he'll be uh standing there at the uh at the mic he'll just freeze up and he just doesn't know what to think or say uh, it, people catching that you know and then he recovers and he did it again i i think there's something going on with him I think this uh I think this COVID has really, really brought in 
I think some real, real issues that um, people just aren't aware of. They're not aware of medical issues that are happening with this. I think it's very compelling on this. I, I thought it was interesting. And uh, I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, what what you're seeing right now and and, uh, and whatnot. But I, I wouldn't, uh, because I, I just think it's, it's compelling. But let me just jump into something else here. I guess um, Biden is offering a... Uh, fig leaf to Democrats for, migrant, for the migration crisis. So Biden's deputies um, are offering um, a PR band-aid and diversion to the New York the New York Democrats who face growing voter opposition to their cheap labor. So they're concerned that the Democrats in New York are going to lose their elections. There's a lot of what's going on right now in New York City. So the Department of Homeland Security is sending staffers to go to New York City to help some of the migrants apply for work permits and Kathy Hochul is asking for help because they're seeing a surge they will uh, they, they, they want the White House to surge resources um, in the next few weeks and DHS staffers are going to arrive in Manhattan to make themselves available to allow New York to start processing thousands of people so they can apply to asylum legally so agency officials say they will extend the sign-up campaign across the nation and to other cities. So it's interesting that they're, they're recognizing the problem over there. The Democrats are recognizing the problem. So they're trying to, they're trying to throw a, you know, they're trying to put a bandaid on it. But see, Oakle and other politicians claim to voters that the, and donors that migrants are being excluded from welfare and must work. So I guess they're, they're, the work, they're all going to offer permits for them. Well, <laughs> these people are going to work in the trade if you will, that they're very accustomed to the trade that that they had going on when they left their 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 their, their country. Okay, the the trade their 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 what they when they left their country, what happened was uh, I thought it was interesting was they they were breaking laws or whatever. If they, if their if their job of trade their their chosen trade was to you know commit crimes or whatever, then those would be that would be their choice, if you will, and they got here. And many of these people are coming here because they don't have options in their countries. They're coming here without resources, you know, which making this immigration a whole lot different than what you've seen in years past is they're actually creating a, an underculture here. They're they're creating, they're literally creating a, a poverty culture here, an unemployment rate. Okay, they're they're creating a um, a group of people. They're they're going to create a. A culture that's going to be addicted, if you will, surgically attached to government resources. That's what they want to do. All right. And that's what they're looking to do. They're, they're, this is how they're going to try to control the country. It's all about workers, it's all about workers. Well, it's not. It's about politics and about control. So they're going to offer work permits to them. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to tell you, uh, I think what we're going to find a lot of, and I think it can be very, very possible, we're going to see. Um, I think we're going to see um, we're going to see a lot of these migrants. Um, we're going to see issues change a lot when the Republicans take over, you know. But but again, I want to jump into a little bit one one item before we end up leaving the show here. I want to jump into the item of uh, real clear politics. I guess there was a poll. A real clear politics is an average of polls. I'm really I'm not interested in the aggregate, but I just thought it was a, a decent article, and uh, it talked a little bit about the. Uh, the fact that Trump's just is just way ahead of DeSantis and he's even beating Biden. And it's a fact that annihilates the key arguments against Trump and the idea that he has no chance of winning. 
And uh, again, this poll, again, it's real clear politics, but it shows Trump winning. And I think that they just, they, they can't understand that. How is Trump winning? How is Trump able to pull this off? And what's more, okay, Trump is in better shape against Biden than he ever was during the 2020 election. Okay, so he's actually gotten a lot better against Biden. You got a lot of people that, that voted for Biden that are saying, what are we doing? What have we done? This is insane. And I think what's interesting, when Joe Biden shows up to a to a rally, he's lucky to have, you know, 200 people. Okay, when Trump shows up to a rally, he has like 20,000. Okay, Trump has, you know, many, many, many times more the number of people that show up to see him. He's in much better shape. And, uh, you know, I just find that interesting. But equally important in the fact that is that is that throughout the 2016 election, you know, you had Hillary Clinton had a lead over Trump and Trump was able to come it. So I think what's interesting is that Hillary Clinton had a lead over Trump. Trump was able to overcome. Joe Biden had a lead over Trump in polling and that Trump was able to overcome and I think still won the election. But DeSantis is losing to Biden by five points in this polling. And he's almost four points. You know, he, it's just you can see it. And Trump is beating Biden. And so DeSantis has not led O'Biden in, in a single national poll. And he's Biden has maintained a steady lead from four to six points over the last eight polls. This is why they want to run against DeSantis. They want to run against him. You know, this is this is what it this is what it comes down to. You know? So I mean this is what they're saying. And and Trump is leading Biden in at least half the last eight polls he's led Biden. So if you believe the polls as of right now, Trump is in a much, much better position to win the general election than DeSantis is. And I think what's compelling, too, is that, you know, you're seeing that um, oh, Biden is just, he's just out of touch with it all. I mean, look, I, people would rather, you know, we've heard people say, I mean, Biden wants to run against Trump and does not want to run against DeSantis. That's been the, the, the skinny that's come out there. But DeSantis is, DeSantis is the governor of Florida. And I think people right now, Trump's beating by DeSantis in Florida. I mean, Trump is the favored person to be the president, not DeSantis. DeSantis can't even win in Florida against Trump. He, he should never have ran this. He should never have gotten into the race. Not against Trump. Not against Trump. DeSantis should have stayed out of the race. I think that if DeSantis would have done himself a justice, I think if he stayed out and uh, served his four-year term, and uh, maybe he got a job in Trump's, you know, because four years, uh, he'd be two years in the Trump's new term. He could have gotten a job on Trump's cabinet somehow, and he could have ran for president the next time around as a successful two-term governor. But he decided to jump into this. These guys want to get into the race faster than that, and they they think they can win. I don't I don't know. I mean, DeSantis, in my opinion, is a great guy, a great governor. I I I'd vote for for president as well, but. DeSantis right now is 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 going up against Trump, and Trump right now is being with with all this election interference is becoming the, you know, he's becoming basically the poster boy, if you will, of what of what uh, you know the, the of, a, of what a victim really looks like. He's being victimized by the No Justice Department. This is what's happening. So I mean, don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it. And we're seeing it. And, and I think DeSantis sees it. He's begging though. He's looking at his pack. He knows he's got to raise more money and. You know, Trump's getting free media. Trump's getting money, and, and he sees it. DeSantis sees it. Well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Nancy Pelosi's denigrating comments and uh, her latest comments, and 
and uh, has we are we can compare it to Hillary's basket full of deplorables. And we wonder if it's going to have the same effect to help Trump just as Hillary's comments did. What's really interesting, and you know, we 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 remember when the Democratic when when Hillary Clinton made that comment, she used a basket full of deplorables. Well, you know, here we are now with uh, you know Nancy Pelosi. And she's on her. She's got her own basketball and deplorables moment during the interview, and she said she could. Uh, I just think it's very compelling on that. So she's trying to downplay Trump's popularity with the Republican base. And Pelosi pointed out that Trump's is popular among his group as a way to sort of correct the interviewer, pointing out that Trump is so popular. Uh, it it makes clear that she's never surprised about the support Trump, <laughs> but the support Trump Pelosi said is more accurate to say. It's interesting to see how there's a certain element of population who would just go for him. There's people who would we would probably never get, okay? They they don't share our values. So what values are those, Nancy Pelosi? Reprobate values. They don't share our repu, our repu, our reprobate values and in um in terms of respect for the dignity, the worth of every person uh that they see fit. Okay. <laughs> they see fit. I mean, uh I, I would just, I think it's really interesting. See, they're out of touch. These people are out of touch. And it comes more and more apparent because they truly don't get it. They truly don't get it. They are out of touch. They don't get it. I think it's important that we understand it. I think when we see what happens with with these out-of-touch bureaucrats when they try to connect with people, like when when O'Biden was in Hawaii and shit, he made the comment, he said, uh, yeah, I know what it's like to lose something. I had my car burned up, my, my 67 Corvette burned up. You know, he's talking to people that lost family members. He's talking to people that lost loved ones. It's just very compelling how these people are out of touch. And I think this is why people like Trump and they connect with Trump. Anyway, but folks, we're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us today. Now, tune in later today for our show, The Watchman. We're going to have a really good show lined up for The Watchman. So see you next week, folks, on The Point and later today for our show, The Watchman. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.